Not a good day, has it? Oh no, I mean, no, not, all not told, at all. Just bit, bit of a bummer today. Ranking it pretty low on my. I do keep an all-time day ranking list, um, so that when I die, people can figure out exactly where my head was at. Hmm. This one, yeah. pretty low. Oh yeah. Yeah. So... I'm just depressed. I, I want to go back to looking at numbers of how many people died daily to cheer me right? up. Yeah. Well, think... if it makes you feel better, we're going to be getting the daily death updates a little bit later today. So, you know, we will get that sweet <laughs> sucker. All right, good, good. I like my numbers. It's it's cool that we have a daily death updates uh, thing now. I think we got ours at the moment. I think it should be, uh, should be somewhere in the thousands. Um, I tend to see. give people ratios of how many 9-11s it's been. Yeah, how many nine? I think we're up to we've we've passed a nine eleven in the UK right now. Have you you've passed nine eleven like ages ago, right? Yeah, we're we're New York. We're like, yeah, 9/11. like five five nine elevens. Yeah, uh, five nine elevens. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Emma, are and you just really really trying to get through to people? Like it's been really shitty, and they're like, mm, I think maybe we're. Did you see that uh, a member of Life of Agony was like, I don't buy into the fear, man. And it's like, uh, it's been multiple 9-11s worth of death, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there was there was someone. I'm not going to name them. Um, maybe people will who know them will understand them by the description I'm going to give. And <clears throat> they're a, they're a very popular podcaster. I contacted them. I wanted them. I asked them if they would like to come on the show to talk about stuff. They they did. We had a date set out. And then I saw their coronavirus tweets and just the absolute most hippie like goop for boys bullshit ever about how we should all uh, learn to love each other more and that uh, you know we need to not dive like pneumonia that will kill us, but we also need touch. We also need to touch each other sometimes. And um, then I stopped sending that person emails. That's yes. good. I'm glad. Yeah. I yeah. would not have wanted to. Uh... Oh, yeah. That shout would have out. quickly turned hostile. <laughs> yeah. Also, shout out to one of our patrons who um, who contacted me to say, uh, yeah, this guy said some really fucked up stuff about consent. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a yeah, kind of touching. That's, uh, that's, that's a wildly big red flag for us. To... <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there was just some. Fair, fair amount of red flags on that one, but uh, did you send that patron back a message of like, thanks for looking out for the team? This is why we're a team enterprise, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a team where they pay us, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they 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 win their like a uh, special pencil. I don't know what merch we're gonna do, but they get a pencil for that one. Um, but yeah, good looking out, thank you. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Bernie Sanders has quit being a possible Democratic candidate as of so today. The, I saw um, some confusion about, or people didn't know that it was confusion actually about what exactly he did. Technically, he suspended his campaign. So it does mean that even if he went, he basically announced that even in some hypothetical scenario where in upcoming primaries, he wins a blowout in every state and wins he would then hand the nomination over like he's not going to mm. take it. Um, but it does mean that he will still be present on nominee uh, on primary ballots. The yeah, idea being I, I've that seen your, your primary ballots and they're like fill, filled with names that like, there's like 50 people on there. Uh, Half of them. I don't even know. Yeah. Well, our political system is Calvin. You, Ball. You, yeah. 
and also it's confusing because like right in the UK you don't nominate an individual it's just like the party and they decide who gets to like be in charge you don't like like the the, the Tories for better or worse didn't vote for Boris Johnson like the Tory you know like individuals like the group collective was just like this guy should be in charge the one who says we should all lick doorknobs hmm. yeah who may be dead so, so as a result, um, uh, Bernie's still able to get delegates from uh, the primary race. The idea being that, again, because um, U.S. politics is Calvin Ball, um, you don't just use delegates in the national convention to get the nomination. They also then allot uh, the various appointed delegates to the uh, platform committees to determine what the platforms will be for the party, not just for that race, but also down ballot and in theory for the next four years. Although they allow Ugh. even pretty sizable change ups at like two year intervals, so like midterm elections. Um, so he basically is trying to absorb enough delegates that he can shift the platform discussion. Yeah, I, yeah, getting, yeah no, it sucks. Like a, <laughs> I'm getting like a nosebleed through trying to understand this stuff. Like, what what it, what happens to like like who gets the most vote wins? It, Why can't not, we do that for literally everything? So I guess the shortest version to answer that is now you're going to have to think briefly, all of you, no. not just Gareth, but everyone, as though it is now 1801 and you light your house with candles. <laughs> now, in this scenario, um, you can't easily do nationwide elections because it's hard to get one ballot from mm -hmm. like bumfuck nowhere, Georgia, all the way up assuming they would have even been allowed to vote, they wouldn't have been, um, all the way up to D.C. So the idea was you have these weird, like, hyper-local things, but they would do it to figure out, okay, we're going to send this ballot up. Now we only have one ballot that we have to worry about. Like, we don't have to worry about, like, oh, you lost a bag of mail with, you know, 4,000 votes, which still fucking happens, by the way. Um, so the idea being that you let them figure out, you know, whatever they're going to do locally, and then they figure out, you know, oh, we've done this thing, and this person won, and we're going to send it one level up. And then they're going to tally all those things up and go, oh, this person won, and we're going to send that one level up, bit, bit by bit by bit until you get it done. It's like, okay, well, if you don't have the internet, you don't have trains, you don't have cars, you know, trucks, whatever. <laughs> That's But we do. We do have yeah. them. And we've had them for a while. They're not new. Yeah. None of this is new. India, India with over 1 billion people has digital elections. Mm. They have yeah. digital polling stations in mountain towns, like, like the mountain range that has the Himalayas. Um, the Himalayas aren't the only mountains within that range, but that's a, that's a whole thing. <laughs> but, then, but they have towns there and they have digital polling stations for their elections. Yeah, but if we overhauled the system, and did it so, you know, everyone, you know, the person with the most votes win, uh, we wouldn't be able to do gerrymandering anymore. And That's true. No. We forgot yeah, about that. Yeah. Yes. You Poor be able to people and weird. brown people would be enfranchised and can't have that. Mm -mm. Mm. Yeah, I know. Like, America just, at this point, just needs to uh, kind of be burnt to the ground and started over, maybe as a series of other countries, like, balkanized to pieces i'm one of the uh pro-american balkanization leftists i'm not loud about that because that's a whole last <laughs> conversation but mm -hmm. it would it would cause a certain number of problems admittedly but it would also um, at lot. least 
it would disabuse people of a lot of notions that build a lot of um, really cockamamie bullshit into our, into our, I mean, even just as a thought experiment, it helps force you to disabuse yourself of certain very bizarre notions that we, and like, this is where I can't be too malicious towards like the mainstream American who buys into mainstream political discourse, because as an American, I can vouch for the fact that we get fucking browbeaten with this shit from birth. Mm. It's 24-7 in every single angle, and everyone you know or ever respected all says it. And anyone who says otherwise is wholly unrespectable and a fool and, like, the the bad kind of, like, childish anarchist. Like, they're not an anarchist because they've read Proudhon and Goldman. They're an anarchist because they spray paint balls on a fence. Although, technically, mm. those people are also tight. Yeah, they're cool too. That, that's really both. baller. Um, we need both. But, uh, oh, a, a fun, a fun additional factoid that I saw not going around too much. One of the uh, killing blows um, for the campaign, which, to be fair, was partly done off of the back of the fact that the DNC is pathologically pushed to not delay any elections whatsoever, mm, or yeah. to switch primarily to mail-in ballots. So one of the things that Bernie cited was like, there is no way to safely healthily carry out these yeah. elections they basically made him do the trolley problem if, yeah if you continue down this path yeah. people are gonna die if we don't do it people are actually still gonna die because we don't won't get medicare for all it'll just yeah i mean if, if he was like a a staunch utilitarian then he would have stayed in the ballot and killed a bunch of people and not gone gone out uh, i mean he would probably still lost because I mean, we've been talking about because then you would have directly had blood on your hands. Yeah, that is exactly. hard to campaign with. Um, exactly. No. Well, Biden's unless you're got Joe blood Biden, on his hands, yeah. though. Yeah. But no one cares. Or Trump. That's the other one. That's that's the other thing. That's it's uh, a yeah. no one's hmm. going to care. But well, yeah, but I mean, we Trump had, supporters uh, are going to be talking about like five G uh, towers causing COVID. But, they're, they're not going to care about like lack of masks and and stuff. What's funny is there actually is. There, there are serious issues with 5G because the band that they use, the millimeter band frequency that they use, is the exact same one that meteorological satellites use to measure uh, water vapor, which is the mm. current way that we study <coughs> weather. And functionally, if you have a full 5G network going up, it's going to cause so much noise in that frequency range that we would have to shift back to technology from the 1980s to predict weather. Um, and, uh, none of us were like alive and fully cognizant then, uh, currently speaking to my knowledge, uh, but it was that, <laughs> um, and especially I mean, in increasing climate instability, uh, which then causes weather instability and major weather events, losing that predictive capacity is a major problem. So there's, it would be slightly conspiratorial to say this, but at least it falls within line that like the whole hyper right wing 5g causes brain cancer and trains bats to fly through your window and chew out your eyes while you sleep bullshit yeah. being like a snow job astroturfing this actual concern yeah i mean and let's not forget 5g only has a five percent bimbofication rate like only that's one person... not nearly high enough i know and exactly we need to we those are rookie numbers you get into the 30s only like one person 20 is going to like turn from a, like a six four stocky truck driver into a giggling bimbo because of five G. Those are not good enough numbers. We need to pump those up. Uh, we've already people. we we've strongly vouched the the future is uh, curvaceous cat girls. That's exactly. that's what we're all going to become. Uh, so the thing I was bringing up with the the DNC 
stuff was specifically we actually have a test case that um is part of what pushed the bernie campaign to stop and it wasn't just the can the elect primary elections that were carried out it's like wisconsin literally just happened by the way they uh people may have seen this they shut down the amount of polling locations from 182 to five mm, yeah um and they did this p- partly part of it was fair in that polling people did not want to show up for good mm. fucking reason because most uh most polling uh volunteers i forgot that word for a second most poll volunteers are people who are elderly and people who are disabled um just trying to you know contribute to their community to you know do decent stand-up shit because they're you know, good people um and they're at some of the highest risk rates for covid and when you're not pushing it back and your volunteer base is high risk they they obviously started dropping out uh in droves and instead of taking this as like we should push this back they still went on with it a big question though is why would they not delay it and uh unfortunately we have an answer to that um it's in it's within bylaws of the dnc that uh if a state delays its own primary without um certification from national that it's acceptable to do so their delegate count gets cut in half hmm. so 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 to like the national DN- the dnc national level would have to yeah. sign off and, for this and they wouldn't and on paper that's used for uh, outside of pandemic conditions so that way it's not like a state decides well we want this person to win and their polling data is going this way right now so we're going to push back the primary so that this person can campaign more um, and it's like, okay, well, that's that's fair. But one would imagine that something like a pandemic would be the perfect, would be the time where you'd go, we're going to suspend that rule. We're not going to enforce that yeah. on public health. But New York State, which, by the way, was, um, its polls were erratic. Sometimes it would go strong Bernie, sometimes strong Biden, sometimes moderate Bernie, sometimes moderate Biden, sometimes a 50-50 split. But it was contentious and has either the second or third most delegates in the country. California's number one, and then Texas and New York, I never remember who's actually number two and number three, but way, way up there. Um, and it's 200-some, uh, like 270 or something. Um, so I think it is number two then. Uh, they tabled, we're going to push this back because we're getting hit really hard. Um, and the DNC said that they didn't okay it. And if they did, their delegate count would drop to like 130 or so, um, which basically only would hurt the Bernie campaign mm. because doing well in a state like New York, which their um, poll showed was possible, like it wasn't guaranteed, but it was possible, would have strongly closed that gap. But basically going like, no, you specifically, like the hottest hotbed of this disease in america you can't delay elections um or you're going to functionally lose your delegate count only effectively uh hurt one campaign hmm. and just like nightmarish yeah. yeah and just so cynical on the part of dnc just yeah monstrous just the, every one of these people 
No, they're fucking ghouls. They do not give a fuck anymore than the Republican Party do. They they essentially run their whole thing on, I'm on your side. They don't do anything else. It's literally, oh, well, we don't write bills to shoot trans people from helicopters. Therefore, we're the more morally right ones. Uh, but but they're not. They have a life of fucking privilege. They don't give a shit if Trump gets reelected. The only reason they don't is because they want decorum to return to the White House. They want to go to brunch. They don't give a fuck about kids in cages or that, you know, their server at the brunch is probably to die because they can't afford insulin they just want things to return to normal and they'll say they'll try to be like they'll, they'll try to be like oh well on the supreme court you know like you don't want you know them to overturn roe v wade and it's like oh well like it's like bitch you do not care you do not care you have a fucking high paying job you'll be able to get an abortion any goddamn goddamn time you want like you can if they they overturn roe v wade doesn't matter all the impoverished people who are going to suffer because of that because you're fucking rich and you can go fly up to canada and, and get it done uh, they don't give a fuck i, I hate that like they, they'll say and they'll say it. they'll say oh you have so much privilege on the left to want Bernie and ponies, but mm. the truth is no. They have this this level of like disgusting privilege where they don't give a fuck about anything other than like their their basic things, and they have their their precious money, and they have a good paying job, and you know they have so much they like. They Joe, which I know the person in the Onion who wrote all those articles like publicly apologized a few years ago, but mm -hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Like he manufactured consent, and he should be sent to a goddamn like gulag for that. <laughs> 100. He cannot atone for his sins. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> also, Parks and Recreation. The the Parks and Recreation guy who turned Joe Biden into like this cute little irony guy. Yeah, that that guy. Mitch Sher, Mike Sher needs to go go to. Plus, he sucks. Yeah, uh, folks, everybody. Uh, this is your death sentence for this week. Uh, we got uh, Emma Bowers from Struggle Session making a triumphant return. Coming back Hello. strong, as as you heard, she's coming back, guns blazing for the DNC right now. <laughs> just rolling up to the convention with a mini gun in each arm, just like spraying down lanyard types, uh, satire. Um, but yeah, uh, folks, just the f shittiest day. Um, yeah, kind of. I I've already been through this, and kind of you Americans have too, with uh, Corbyn losing. But he at least got to an election. He got to lead his party for a long time and still was leading it until a few days ago. Yeah, I mean, that that was just the UK being shitty. Um, oh, yeah. Although, granted, a portion of... And, you know, blaming, like, uh, Blairite labor types who are, again, emphatically, not labor types. Hmm, no. I don't even know how they fucking got into the party. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't understand how that could have well, happened. Now they are the party. They've they've purged yeah. the Corbyn, but well, they're mostly purged the Corbynites. They haven't fully kicked everyone out. Uh, organizations like M Momentum, who are like RDSA, are still there, ostensibly, but they're kind of trying to reconfigure themselves to be uh, for this new world that they're living in where they can't really do anything and they don't really have any candidates they can push. Um, so they're going to be become probably much like the DSA is more of a kind of like mutual aid service organ orientated kind of organization, which, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's good that you can help people, but what didn't we like have a world to win a little while ago? Wasn't the point to like fix everything and to make a better world. And now we're just kind of cleaning up the mess of, uh, just like conservatism as it turns into, uh, eco-fascism uh, so yeah kind of sucks right now and uh, 
like to see a way out that doesn't involve uh, parody satire. But um, it's, hard to, it's hard to see. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of satire in the future. Is, um, oh, yeah. yeah is how gonna, I would describe it. It's, it's going to be a, a golden age of satire, much like the <laughs> um, uh, late 1800s was. Uh, where there's I'm, you know, I'm, famous I'm, satirist uh, uh, Emma Goldman and Alexander Berkman tried to uh, satirize I, a, uh, business leaders. I quite love the parody chops of... Uh, che Guevara and Fidel Castro. They yeah. brought a high, a highly successful satire campaign to Cuba. Yeah, and you know, people say Germans have no sense of humor, but the uh, the Red Army faction hilarious. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so Emma, well, um, yes, we've been we've been asking everyone who's been on the show lately, which has been everyone because we've just like opened up the address book and called in. I saw everyone. congratulations coming up in yeah. the world. I'm proud of y'all. Oh yeah, you know we're rising and grinding. Every day is um, another chance to get that bag. That bag being a uh, slightly higher Spotify uh, rating on us. But um, so you you're from Struggle Session. Uh, which is you're the official anime correspondent of Struggle Session, which is one of our favorite podcasts. Uh, Shannon was on the other day as well. Lovely, lovely lady. Um, and uh, yeah, you are also a cosplayer. You've done cosplay of the anime we're going to be talking about. You annoy, as I remember. Hooray. Yes, which yes, is awesome. I did annoy. Yes, fucking queen. Fucking oh yeah, queen. <laughs> yeah. We 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 stand a very muscular queen. On the- Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all women on uh, Dora Hedora are valid, I feel. Like, uh, women who can cook are valid. Women who are, have brain damaged are valid. Uh, <laughs> that's all the female characters. And, um, but, yeah, in, and, but what, what's it like where you are at the moment? Like, are you, are you um, in New York or are you, like, I think. Oh, that's, that's a great question. I'm, I'm one of the few podcasters who's not in New York, actually. <laughs> one of maybe five, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, good I for am... you. <laughs> <laughs> I did live in New York, actually, for a while. Um, moved about a year-ish and a half ago, so I live down in the South right now. Um, stuff is not New York. I am in a major city, though, where um, we have not hit 10,000 yet in terms of coronavirus cases. Um, give it till tomorrow. <laughs> we will probably be at 10,000. Um, currently, in my own personal situation, um, could honestly be a lot worse. Have that little sweet spot where um, I'm not an essential worker. I don't have to go to the Walmart and be told by my manager I'm not allowed to wear a face mask and have, you know, elderly people coughing and sneezing all over the place and getting five bucks an hour for that. Um, I also don't have the luxury of, you know, working from home and setting up a zoo cam and, you know, calling our group the quarantine or anything is fun. So middle ground, um, currently I'm I mentioned this on the previous uh, time I was on the show. I work at a zoo. Um, not a good place, really, currently in the moment, given that it's where large groups of people gather and what we know about the coronavirus. And we actually learned this a few days ago because of the Bronx Zoo. Um, animals can contract it. So, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Tiger, um, tigers, Bronx, apparently, in the Bronx Zoo, right? Yes. Yeah. Which 
makes sense because what I've been reading is civets, which are kind of an animal a couple times removed from the feline family, can carry it. Um, so that doesn't shock me too much. Um, they apparently got it from a keeper who, you know, like a lot of people was unaware of it. They had it even had the symptoms. I think the big fear for a lot of zoos is primates could get it. Um, mm. We already have a lot of protections in place working with primates. Even before this all went down, um, everyone who interacted with the primate, be it lemur or, you know, like, you know, a gorilla, you wore PPE. You had a facial mask on because... You don't want to give, you know, your the, the orangutan like the flu. Uh, so there was already kind of cautions of that. And I believe, honestly, the big fear would just be like if a primate got it, they'd probably be just as susceptible to it, maybe even more than we are. So um, I am temporarily unemployed. Um, just happy to be on podcast because it gives me something mm -hmm. to do. Um, uh, all the anime cons clearly got canceled for the foreseeable mm -hmm. future. So I'm making like little cute anime themed masks right now. Don't wear them to the hospital or take care of, you know, your, um, your, your COVID patients wearing them, please. They're not that good, but I put little anime characters on them. So you, you feel slightly better nice. in this terrible world we are in. Yeah. Well, that, that's good. At least you're keeping busy. Yeah. So, yeah. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about Dora Hodoro today. Uh, I, I know, Langdon, you haven't... Have you seen it yet? You've. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, okay. It had been on my list for a while because it's, um, like, it, it's obviously a very, very well-regarded anime, and even outside of... Um, uh, I, I'm unfortunately often one of those types where it's like, someone's like, yeah, I grew up watching Naruto, and I have a lot of... And I'm like, no. No, sane and only. Like, uh, <laughs> which I... I, I'm I'm trying to unlearn that as an adult, learn how to appreciate things. But um, Doro Hidoro is is very well regarded, so I'd mm. even heard from those spaces like, no, you'll you'll love it. And I just this was the impetus for me to finally actually dive in. And literally yeah. everyone I know who has seen it is like, how the fuck have you not watched it? You're gonna love it. Kinda, and it turns yeah. out with when your two settings are the whole and sorcerer world, I'm I, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Literally any event could happen, and I would have been 100% on board. This shit was fucking awesome. I know, right? And, I mean, you, I'm guessing you haven't seen the manga. The manga is amazing. The manga uh, looks, I mean, it looks like anime, but it's got a very, like, scratchy, raw kind of style, like um, the Max. It, it reminds me of the Max a lot. It's very, like, hyperkinetic. It's, it's really experimentally constructed. Uh, the, yeah, the manga is... Completely crazy. I, I've read in the anime in the manga. If that makes sense, it doesn't. Um, I haven't. I, I haven't like spoiled the end of the anime series for me. Uh, but Emma, as as guest, you you have the dubious honor of uh, telling us what Dora Hidora is about, All which right, is impossible because uh... it's insane. I, I realize this, um, my, I dabble, I say dabble because I'm not big, I dabble in YouTube videos. Um, if I break 500 views, I consider it a good day. Uh, my most watched video, which to this day probably has about um, 30,000 hits, is on Dora Hidoro. And oh, no, I, I mentioned this in the video. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I got, yeah, I did a little video. This was back before it became an anime. Um, I was talking about why I thought the manga was really good. Um, and what I realized in terms of the summary I'm going to tell you is I kind of thought that this all kind of happened further along, um, but this kind of incorporate only happens in the first one or two volumes. The plot moves pretty quickly considering there's a lot going on. Oh, so yeah. 
Um, Dora Dora, I always come to describe as a channel naval story. It takes place in this weird, dark, kind of very disgusting, impoverished world called the Hole. And the people in the Hole live there. And then there are doors that pop up every now and then. Um, and a bunch of magic users just called sorcerers can come through that door, end up in the hole, and they just kind of subject, you know, the random people who live in the hole to their kind of cruel and sadistic experiments. Um, and the main character is an individual simply called Kaiman, and he has um, a lizard head. He doesn't know how he got it, and they just kind of assume, well, probably a sorcerer did this, because why else would you have a lizard head? And he teams up with a restaurant owner, Nikaido, the business owner, and uh, they essentially go on a rip-roaring rampage to figure out who cursed him, why does he have a lizard head, and that sounds very crazy, and um, delightfully so, it just gets more and more and more bizarre as the series goes on. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so to find who cursed him, he bites people's heads. And inside his head, inside his mouth, is a little man. And the man uh, looks at the person while they are being bitten by Kaiman. And, and the little man will say, you, you are not the one. Or he will presumably say, you are the one if you are the one. And My, uh, uh, my former co-worker was pitching it, who's now my roommate, was pitching it to me exactly on that premise as he was reading it. He's like, yo, so this is tight. It's about a lizard man and he lives in a hole. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> and he's like, and then he can only figure out who his real identity is by eating people, specifically their heads. And I was like, what? Fuck. Fuck. And he was like, yeah, it's pretty tight. I listen to doom metal while I read it. And I was like, fuck. You should. <laughs> Yeah, it 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 would go good with. Uh, I think the band Carnate would be a good um, mm -hmm. a good pairing for this for the manga. Um, the the series is very colorful and joyful. The manga is like a brutal grind, but also very it, cheery as well. It has a really odd publication history that I was looking into after after at least watching it. I'm I, I plan on picking up the volumes, although it has twenty three of them, so it's it's going to be a long read. Oh, yeah. Um, but. It apparently started as as um, a seinen publication, like in seinen magazines, for straight up like fifteen years or something. It was like a yeah. decade or so, and then it was only like the last roughly two or three volumes worth of the manga. It got picked up by a shonen <laughs> magazine, and I can just imagine like the hyper gruesome art as the lizard man's doing like uh, devouring people, uh, being handed to like a, a nine year old. Yeah, it's on, it was on a monthly Shonen Sunday when it finished. That's so just that, really funny to me, knowing yeah. about that end of uh, the manga world. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, and uh, the the creator Q uh, Hayashida. Uh, this is basically all she's done. She's done some like jobbing stuff on like minor things, and I think she started a new thing oh, yeah, called Die Dark. Uh, Die Dark. Yeah, she. Yeah. Um um, yeah, she actually got her start in Blame, which if you're into just kind of like good science fiction oh, yeah. manga, Blame is really, really good. It's definitely worth One checking out. It's, yes. Um, so she got her start being an assistant on that. Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, as you said, she worked on Dora Hidoro from 1999 until like, well, yeah, when did it end? Like 2018, I guess. Like mm -hmm. yeah. 2018, 2019. So quite a long time. Yeah. She started a new one, Die Dark, which... Um, it's maybe a volume or two in. It started, I think, last year, maybe prior. But um, yeah, so it's the same Dorador grittiness, but now it's in space. Yeah. That sounds lit. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I, I've only read a couple 
chapters, but I gotta. I'll probably come back to it. I got a lot of time right now. <laughs> I didn't know that she worked on Blame. That's that's fucking awesome. That that's a really great connection. Because like again, without this isn't this episode's not about Blame, but Blame is straight up one of the best manga I've ever read. Like I in. I wasn't terribly into manga. Then a roommate of mine got the first master edition volume when it came out and was just like, Hey, you know, you don't like manga. And I was like, yeah, why are we gonna? And he just opened up the book and he was like, look, and I was like, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> if you want a really fun fact, apparently it's not pronounced blame. It's pronounced like, like, like the French, like blame. Or something. <laughs> That's terrible. And it's I never going to say isn't that awful? Yeah, it's, I'll call it blame too. But yeah, apparently the proper pronunciation is like blame. <laughs> so okay, uh, and to expand upon um, Dorhodoro, so the sorcerers. Uh, okay, so there's these group of sorcerers who are like a crime family led by a guy called N, who can turn people into mushrooms, and you think. And you're probably hearing that thinking, oh, that's cute. They, they just pop into mushrooms. No, they bodily transform into mushrooms. Like, mushrooms grow on them. It's and so he, fucking... He can like... just, like, freak out and turn every piece of matter into a mushroom. It's so disgusting. It, 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 a lot of this reminded me a lot of Sisyphean, but pitched more in a, oh, um, like, like an yeah. adventure um, or orientation. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of horror in it, but... Yeah, that part especially tapping into like the um very fungal, like post Lovecraftian body horror space mm. of like it's supposed to feel tentacular, but the tentacles are that of like spore life and oh oh I loved yeah. it. Yeah. So, oh, was... mushrooms are fucking horrifying. Like I was oh, yeah, definitely yeah. like they're they're more more closely related. Like they're not a plant. They in theory are more closely related to us than they are like a, a plant. If you look up the cordyceps uh -huh. virus, like um, they're absolutely terrifying. And um, he has this line, and I and I'll, I'll I screen cap it and use it in memes sometimes. It's just him going, "You think my mushroom magic is silly? You have no idea how terrifying it actually is." <laughs> <That's>, yeah, basically, <laughs> it, basically it is. I mean, like, yeah, I'm horrible. not the. I'm not the only person, like, horror writer ever who's written a short story just about, fuck, I read a really fucked up article about mushrooms and that. Like, it, it's super common for a reason, because they're so fucked up. Like, we only found out relatively recently um, that, so a lot of people know about the, um, the fungal infection that will take over insects. Um, normally it's ants, but it can take over a couple others. Um, Wasps, and, think, yeah. And uses basically uses their body as like a mech to pilot itself around. We used to think that it basically destroyed the portion of the insect brain that had um, what we would consider making it alive versus like pure bodily function, basically leaving it brain dead and then using its body. And we we're like, okay, that would make sense for, we found out it's the opposite. We found out it doesn't touch that part of the brain whatsoever. So the insects are functionally conscious, but they can't control their motor movement. So they're like trapped in their bodies as a fungal infection pilots them around. Yeah, it's like it's having sleep paralysis, but a fungus is making you do shit. And because it keeps your body alive, um, you also don't die. They do die faster, obviously, but uh, than they would without it. But yeah, I mean, utterly people are going to be making zombie stories about that. Like that's that's a, well, a, that's, that's a the science based. Yeah. No, there's yeah. actually. A, it? Oh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah I, I, sorry, yeah, I haven't played that. Two things I can say. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, The Last of Us is inspired by, yeah, the, the fungi, the cordyceps. It's inspired by that. And then um, Mike R. Carey, who he's uh, originally was a comic book writer. He wrote Lucifer. Um, he did a couple other things. Lucifer is the one I was really fond of. Um, I feel bad because I'm like, oh, he's really good. And I'm like, oh, he's probably a turf now. I just I just think any British author I liked is probably now a turf. Um, got um, anyway, got to make sure that he's not. I know. Google his Mike R. Carey a turf. But he wrote a really, really good horror book um, um, a couple of years ago called The Girl of All the Gifts. And um, oh, yes, that's right. the theory. Yeah, it's a, you know, yeah, so they it's made a film out that, zombie about book, quite but, Yeah, yeah. But it's, so it's the zombie book, but his take is um, similar to The Last of Us. Oh, what if the Cordyceps virus like infected people? Um, hmm. Yeah, so people are, um, I think everyone watched the, the Sir David Attenborough documentary on it was absolutely like, holy fuck, no. And um, it got a lot of uh, typewriters clicking clacking. Hmm. He also did a really great series called The Unwritten, which I I, yes. I don't think I it's as that, good yeah. as Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer's like a landmark series. I absolutely fucking adore it. Um, but The Unwritten was just, I'm a literary nerd, and it basically was reaching through the pages to jack me off with like psychedelic imagery and like, you remember Moby <laughs> Dick? You remember all those classes on Moby Dick that you took as a grad student? And I was like, I do, Mike. I do. Thank you. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but also, men are men and women are women. So shut up. I'm making but sure that we he's don't, not that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's I, dead. He could be. Oh my god, I can actually share this with you both because I had the worst like moment. Well, I mean, today was life. Um, I had a, um, Charlie Booker before he was doing um, before he was doing a Black Mirror. Oh, what if you mobile happened to your mom? <laughs> um, he did like um, this really great show called Screen Lights, and he had a spinoff mm. of it called Game Lights. And he just talked about video games. It's about a decade old at this point. So yeah. some of the critiques and stuff he has are probably kind of games have made better. And I was sitting up at night and I was like, man, there was this episode that was really good. And there was a guy on and he was talking about um, how one of the problems in video game writing is people don't really want to read books or kind of read up on things. They just sort of play the last Grand Theft Auto and kind of base the dialogue around that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I went back and rewatched it. Guess who it fucking was? Fucking Glimmer. Oh. <laughs> oh. And I was like disgusted. Like, I was so upset. And I was like, because uh, I didn't know who that guy was at the time. I was just like, oh, that, that guy's interesting. And I was like, ah, ah. That's so upset. Yeah, he he was like a major figure in British comedy for decades. I, oh I no, I, I watched. Uh, I had a. <laughs> I, I I walked into uh, coming home from work to a friend of mine showing my partner uh, the IT crowd uh, because they'd never well, seen it before. It's like, um, oh yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm I'm about to get even better. I walk in and I'm like, oh yeah, this show was kind of funny, and it's a real shame about you know the the show runner for it and they're like what and i so i had to give them the rundown of it i look at the screen you know what episode it was the one where the boss finds out that he's been dating a trans woman and guess what oh. it's wildly <laughs> transphobic uh, <laughs> and just the way that everyone turned to the screen and saw it and they're like oh <laughs> and i was like yeah that's why i don't that's why i never went back because mm -hmm. like uh it's like i have fond memories of father ted that i will never mm. ever rewatch. never I also oh, yeah. normally don't say that out loud because why would I? Why? <laughs> uh, we all know what happened to him. I'll say this. I'll, I'll go there. I'll go there. I, 
dead, so he didn't get to see what a fucking monster the Jupiter fucking turned into. There. <laughs> there. Yeah, I hope something very parodic happens to him. Mm, yeah. Some hope. deep satire. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we, we should, before we uh, uh, commit any more crimes on here, um, let, let's, let's do some music. Um, let's do my, my London homeboys, Caligram, who, who, incidentally, some good looking dudes in this band. The spoil for choice. Um, yeah, Caligram out of London. Um, I already got guy, um, guys from uh, France, Italy, and Brazil. That's why they're good looking because they're not British. I see. Oh, yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, <laughs> France, Italy, and Brazil. Yeah, it's, that's going to be yeah, a, they, a black metal group of nothing but hotties. Yeah, they're going to be fine. Uh, oh, we all look like male models, uh, but we play avant-garde black metal. And I'm like, fuck you. you can't, you're going to come into my house and just show me up in every capacity. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I know, right? I'm doing my best. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, these super hot dudes from around the world play uh, kind of blackened hardcore. Uh, they're out of London. Uh, it's a very well-designed cover, well-designed band camp even. I, I haven't listened to this album yet. Langdon um, uh, recommended it for me. Uh, it's probably really awesome. Um, let's do the yeah, third was... track, uh, Vivido Pierre. P Pierre? I don't know. Pierre. Vivido Pierre. Really? Yeah. <laughs> the living Peter. <laughs> <laughs> the living Peter. These guys are <laughs> making my Peter live, if you know what I mean. Uh, but um, yeah, before. Um, I get to uh, into Matteo, Ardo, Tim, Bruno, and Smittens, the bass player. Um, yeah, uh, here is off their album, The Eye is the First Circle. Cool, cool title there. Comes out April 10th, so a couple of days. Uh, yeah, Vivido <coughs> Pierre, the Living Peter.
Is it a reboot of Barbarella? Like a comic Barbarella? Or yeah, like, um... yeah. I was um oh. I I was trying to look up his politics and I couldn't find any statements about him that were turfy. That doesn't Here's mean that I... there are none. Here's the two things I always noticed about him in reading. Um one, he's like a staunch atheist, like in that Richard Dawkins kind of way. So oh, that yeah, that's to me, like, mm, is he a t- that always signals into turfiness. Two, mm. um, he loves writing same-sex relationships, but always female-female. Like, yeah. he's into lesbians, like, not like, oh, yes, queer people. It's like, it's always lesbians. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So I like I said, who knows? Maybe he's like a chill dude, but you know, never meet your heroes. Yeah, that's so, true. So that, bar- that reboot of Barbarella is gonna be uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mike Mike Harry, come on the show. Defend yourself. We got, we'll set up a tribunal. <laughs> um you should defend yourself so if I, allegations of turfism. If you if you if you can make it through the struggle session that we're going to be hosting here with you, then I promise that I will. Add, um, mm, I don't have anything there. I have nothing to offer. You yeah, can exonerate your own name for no gain. <laughs> I mean, times have changed, but he had like just a Facebook account. I remember this. This must have been like wow, like a decade ago, and I was drunk. And I just found his Facebook account. I didn't work friend request him, but I did find like his messages were open. And I messaged him and I was like, hi, um, I made a fan mix for Lucifer. I thought you'd like it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I never, and he never responded. But I'm just saying maybe his Facebook is still open. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, you can invite I'll, him I'll, on. Yeah. I'll look him up on Facebook and just double check he's not a turf. Uh, not turf. You know, we we got to... Um, Make sure he's not mutual of glimmer. Be like, hey, we really love your work. It's, you know, it's such a such great catalog. I have an oddly specific question for you. <laughs> <laughs> How many genders do you think there are? <laughs> At least three, he would say. Um, yeah, if he, if, he, if he says three or more, then he's fine. Um <laughs> But I'm, I'm pretty yeah, flexible on, on the number of genders, just more than three. Um, anyway, Dora Hedora, right? Um, so I, I wanted to, I, I was reading, I was like reading, and I was kind of thinking about the, like how power functions in Dora Hedora. Because there's, I mean, there's obvious, uh, power dynamics between Hull and the Sorcerer's world. Sorcerers can basically do what they want to Hull. The only person who's fighting back is Kaiman. Um, he's he's the only person who's actually able to invert the power dynamics at all. That's because he's got like a one in a billion thing where he can't be affected by magic. Um, but within the Sorcerer's world, there's people like N who are super powerful within that world politically, because he's a crime boss. There's there's people like the Cross-Eyes gang who are trying to become powerful because they were born unable to use magic, even though they are technically sorcerers. Um, so they're trying to get the magical smoke that allows sorcerers to do magic and like huff it and then increase their powers a little. But And, and above the, all of them, there's demons 
like literal demons in literal hell with Satan, uh, literal Satan. And they were sorcerers at one point, but if you like train really hard and go to demon school, which is a literal thing, and do lots of press ups and stuff, then you can become a demon and you'll grow wings and horns. And de- at that point, you're immortal and super, super powerful. But the thing about the, the demons in this is they're not like, um, they're not your typical demons. They, they look very like old school medieval uh, kind of, who's uh, a guy who does all the thing, um, Hieronymus Bosch kind of demons. But they're, they act more like Cenobites, like the good Cenobites in the original John Car- uh, in the original books, not in the kind of crappy 10th Hellraiser remake. Look. Oh no, we're going to do that in a separate episode, but fuck. <laughs> <laughs> there are many crappy Hellraiser films. You because... walked into my trap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but okay, there, there was maybe two good Hellraisers. Uh, Hellraiser 3 was okay. I, um, Hellraiser Inferno is good. Again, no, we're not, we're not going to do oh, Okay, it. okay. In, Inferno later. was the returned, uh, returned form, but there were some bad ones. Because they imagine that Cenobites are just like bad monsters, that they just want to kill people. And yeah, as opposed mean. to these like complex, um, like yeah, the, like, the image of them as demons was drawn more from uh from like Jewish conception or even Buddhist conception of what a demon is, which is a uh, a spiritual figure that carries out like the punishments drawn from judgment. Not for they're not doing it for shits and giggles. It's like no. this is my oh, job. <laughs> Or rather, they, I, they are. They're, they're, they're seeking, they're pleasure seekers who, who just want to, like, get off. But yeah, they're just, they have like, weird so... in the books. Oh, yeah. And and they, yeah, I remember in the books, there's this bit where, um, uh, the, the, I think it's either the guy who becomes Pinhead or um, or the guy who becomes this guy with no skin, I forget his name, where he, like, summons the Cenobites for the first time by doing the Lamin configuration box, and he's like, Oh, these guys are kind of ugly, right? They're, they're <laughs> kind of gross. They're kind of gross and weird. I wanted like hot babes. <laughs> he was obviously trying to like summon a like interdimensional cat girl harem or something. <laughs> Can you imagine the thought process of someone doing that? They're just solving the lamentation configuration. They're like, "Come on, no whammies, no whammies, hot babes, hot babes, no whammies, yeah. stop." <laughs> like xenobite xenobites come up and they're like oh it's a whammy oh no. I, oh like, that's a dog man and he doesn't have any eyes oh shit yeah i got jacked to that man <laughs> my stroke so yeah the demons in door her door are more like cenobites they're just like people who pushed it way too far trying to get something that isn't really there and you can't really get with cenobites it was like uh, sex and pleasure, but with these guys, it's just power. They wanted more magical power and more stuff and more, 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 until they just push themselves so far away from anything that they're just bored at this point. Like nothing is fun for them anymore. So sometimes fucking with people. And N is kind of the same. He's like he he wants to find himself. Uh, a sorcerer who can control time so he can win the one fight he's ever lost. Just because, you know, what else could he do? He lives in a mansion surrounded by armed guards. He's insanely powerful and he's incredibly wealthy. He's like, got, got nothing going on. He's, he's 
kind of like a uh, what's it called um, a Jeffrey Epstein figure, if you will. <laughs> he's a yeah, he's just someone who is so wealthy that he can only do horrible stuff from now on. There's only that only absolute grotesque Cenobite shit is left to him. And I thought that was like a cool um, thing about power and how it works and how it, like anything like sex or money, it's just going to fuck you up in the end. Just going to leave you just bored. You're just going to have too much and then you're bored forever. And um, that kind of, and that kind of like being interested in the lives of like N and his little gang who are cool as hell, I, I, and they're all lovely people. Even N is a really fascinating character who's kind of noble at times and kind of nice. And they're supposedly the antagonists, but uh, Haya Q uh, Hayashida is just interested in everyone, and she lets all of them have their day in court and lets everyone be a really fascinating, really well-thought-out character. Even the, the fucking cockroach is a, is a cool character. And he's great. So, yeah, I mean, that's like, for me, it's why Doro is so brilliant. And it is. Cause, just because everything is so huge. And it's so well thought out. The, the amount of thinking that has gone into Doro is insane. Like, the. It... But, um, yeah, and it's also it's funny and silly. And there's cool fights where people get stabbed a lot. We didn't even talk about like how this, like how the sorcerers have their magic, which isn't normally. I I've gotten to a point in my life where just talking about like the technical aspects of a work in the sense of like its lore isn't necessarily all that interesting because it's like oh well that's for the writer to have so that they can <coughs> make things consistent. But in this instance, it's it's just really neat. Like, it's not yeah. wildly original. You can find uh, variations of it in other places, but just they they get treated like the way that uh, dragons get treated in that they have a special organ that generates smoke, which is equivalent to, like, the uh, magical fire of a dragon, and it's the smoke that gives them magical ability. And I'm just like, but because of that, you can, like, eat their smoke organ, mm. like, pop them open, take a bite out of that bad boy. And I'm like, that's just it. Like, and the way that uh, like flipping through some of the um the panels on uh some scans that I'd seen, and then also the way that they handle it in the show, just like having that as a little thing to play with in the toolkit. It's like, ah, oh, this is so fucking. Especially because for me, um, obviously I like writing of a certain type within within manga and anime i'm not going to pretend that i don't and that i don't have my tastes there but it is by and large um uh driven more by like imaginative capacity or like its imagism rather than necessarily just the text and the way that doro hidoro like deeply taps into like we got some wild ideas and we want to make that shit crazy on this screen mm. yeah and something we haven't mentioned is it's kind of 3D. The the anime yeah. at least is is done in 3D and it and it works. Like it looks really good. And yeah. I, I was honestly concerned about that. And like I said before they announced the anime, 
I don't know if they could pull this off as an anime because like you said, the style is very sketchy. It just looks like like sketches and then Kyuha, she didn't clean it up. She was like, all right, submitted. Um, and it really fits the kind of really gritty, gross looking like like tone of the series. Like it just, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of like, um, like New York, like New York, I don't know if either of you have lived or visited New York ever, but like there's not a proper, at least in my head, there aren't really like like proper dumpsters. Everyone just puts their garbage on the sidewalk. So mm. if you like go down the street on garbage day in the summertime, there's just like this like humid stench. And you look at the hole, you look at this world, and you can smell that garbage New York City all sit out on the curb in like July. Um, and it's such a look. And I was like, how do you convey that in anime? And I mean, I came on like last year to talk about Golden Kamui, which is an amazing manga, but the anime is so lackluster because some of the animation, like the terrible CGI bears just look oh, like yeah, crap. And nice. I was yeah. so happy that Doro Hidoro, despite the fact that it's clearly, of course, much more colorful than the manga, like it still is able to really come across with that weird gritty tone. Uh, the CGI doesn't look like weird or berserk 2016. Um, it's mm. very competently done, which has been awesome. Yeah, I mean, something I, I always say about, like, anime, like, the Western people need to bear in mind, like, weebs need to think, is, like, half of anime is made for, like, the eighth most popular channel in Japan to air at, like, 3 a.m. on a Tuesday. These aren't, like, primetime shows, and you're not going to get, like, the best production values out of them in the way you'd get, like, something on uh, HBO at 9 o'clock on a Saturday is going to look good. But then, I mean, yeah, Dora Hidoro looks yeah. great. I, that that production element is something that ties into um, components, especially of how like. Uh, so if if you're if you like manga or anime at all, you have an encyclopedic knowledge of the production capacity for Dragon Ball Super. You just can't avoid it. Anywhere you go, will thrust it into your face, even if you don't really like Dragon Ball which is wrong, and God will judge you, and you will go to hell when you die, but different tastes, that's fine. Um, but like that's why one of the major components in discussions around, oh, is it coming back, is it not coming back, focuses on specifically its time slot, because it's one of the few anime to get a very prominent um, time slot, like on a Sunday during a uh, like peak viewership hours, and so people monitoring where they're like, oh, that time slot actually, you know, if you look through these um, like publicly released uh, business papers, uh, they signed up this thing for that period. So it can't possibly be coming back because that you don't see for other shows, because for the most part, um, anime is so normal. They would be like talking about like a sitcom here, um, like it, 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 it's ingrained in certain ways in the culture that you don't necessarily get. Uh, it, it, it can sometimes feel like the idea of like someone from uh, someone from Poland going nuts over like the new girl and being like, I love American culture. I love the new girl. And it's like, that's fine. That's weird, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, so the fact that uh, that's where you also get uh, very commonly the story of like anime studios going above and beyond both for the opening and closing sequences, but then also for like the first one or two episodes because of this idea of like, we only have a limited budget and we can make everything look okay. Or we can make two episodes look fucking amazing and then hopefully have hooked people. And so oh, yeah. that's what makes it really interesting that this 
leaned very much in a different direction. Um, and it uses a lot of the 3D animation that's um, become standard in anime, at least in being incorporated, because production costs of traditional animation in Japan are basically only like Studio Ghibli and other like major productions will use Japanese um, traditional animation. Most moved over to like Korean animation studios or Chinese animation studios or Indonesian animation studios. But even those are so backlogged in terms of work that you then have to offload to CGI because it's the next best thing. Um, and that's been a major concern for people who like anime because again, like what we saw in uh, Elements of Golden Kamoi and things like the Gantz uh, anime film that they put out recently and the... Um, the Fist of the North Star prequel called Fist of the Blue Sky. It looks fucking awful sometimes. Sometimes yeah. that CGI is fucking trash. And well, like, because it's so visual, like the medium is so visual, even if you really like the writing, even if you really like the narrative, it can be stomach turning. Um, and you'll be like, I'm yeah. skipping this. So seeing the way that they incorporated it here, um, it like tickled the back part of my brain of like, that's a really ingenious way to cut costs on production but in a way that makes the right parts of the show feel like they pop out in terms of their aesthetic hmm. yeah yeah it just makes everything pop a little more like yeah and it's it was such a bold idea to do something with a like a, a manga that is so lo-fi and scratchy and looks like an underground art comic that was photocopied in someone's basement it definitely fares a lot better as an anime adaptation than like um blame most recently got uh an anime adaptation and just is that the one that was on netflix I, yeah it's it. oh it sucks it yeah. sucks ass because they do a lot of the same thing where it's like knowing certain production stuff uh that i do and that a lot of other people who like anime and mine know you're like okay well they need to cut cost because despite the fact that we all love it blame is not going to get um studio ghibli money to carry out their production. Just how it is. But then you look at it and you're like, they didn't have to make it look like fucking dicks. They didn't have to make it look like just some ball sacks for an hour and a half. That's like, why, why are you doing this? It's like you're self-sabotaging. Um, but this Doro Hidoro reminded me a lot more of like the way that like uh, uh, Madoka would use 3D animation mm -hmm. in a way that like, if, if you know why they're using it, you're like, oh, well, this cut cost. But then you look at how they're using it and you go oh well you still made it artful you took you took that inherent limitation and you bent it towards like making it feel thematically and aesthetically resonant rather than jarring and ugly and shitty <laughs> yeah yeah it, this whole show is just like it's what anime could be instead of what it normally is and i recently watched the it's on netflix so anyone can go watch it uh, a show, one episode of a show called High School D times D. I don't know if either of you have seen DXD. or heard of that. It's normally DXD. pronounced DXD. I don't, oh. I don't, I don't fuck with no anime. It's gonna get me put them on a watch list. So I'll yeah, fuck with that. it was so bad. It, <laughs> yeah, that, it's that, terrible. <laughs> it, it's just bad. It's it's not even so bad. It's good. It's just awful. Yeah, so that that's that's what anime is, but Dorhidoro, what it could be. It's what it should strive for. It, it's prestige anime. Anime has the same problem, and we say I say this as an extreme metal fan. I say this as 
as a fan of literary fiction, of a fan of genre fiction. Uh, the vast majority is fucking trash for people who have salt or uh, very uh, high salt brains, not moist. Mm-hmm. Their brains are yeah. not moist enough. Too high salinity. Their brains have dried out. Crackles um, almost. Yes, absolutely. No yeast or anything, just this flat, crispy-ass brain. Um, but every now and again, every now and again, oh my god, you you get like the... Uh, like everyone I fell in love with, hands off my eyes again. Just we should do an episode on that one. That at some point. That's just us. Uh, what a fucking wonderful show. Um, and this one actually aired, I think, in Doro Hidoro, the current anime one, aired in the same uh, season as Hands Off My Eyes Again. But Emma, have you, have you got some recommendations for us? Because we, we actually spoke about <gasps> on the last episode, uh, let me see, was it um, uh, Somali and the Forest Spirit, which my three-year-old son loves. He's it's just, so fucking good. He's just, I, I'm waiting to like see him cry when that robot dies. But, and, um, Golem! Yeah. Golem! <laughs> what? It was the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and was was that other one uh, you mentioned? It was um, I watched like two episodes and, and hated it. It's the one with the 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 cappers and the anuses. Sarah Zan, my yeah, I, I wasn't feeling that. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> okay, well, fine. <clears throat> I won't watch a thing about cappers coming out of people's butts and stuff. That's fine. It does happen a I lot, and it doesn't yeah. stop. To be fair, it, does, it no, just keeps happening the stopped. whole show. <laughs> no. But uh, oh, yeah, what? so Emma, what's, what's what's good? What's what's good in anime? B Stars is really good. Um, it yeah. finally on Netflix. Netflix is a fucking thing. It's annoying because I feel it kind of like the most people who are headed for stuff. Um, but they do this thing where if they pick up an anime, they don't release it until a few months after the anime's concluded its seasonal run in Japan. So Beastars came out back in October. It wasn't made available until like about a month ago. Um, it is very, very good. Everyone makes fucking furry jokes or whatever. Like, I don't go fuck. Um, it's just good. It's a weird, horny show. Um, it reminds me a little bit of like Hannibal in the sense of like both like consumption is discussed and sometimes literally, sometimes um, as an allegory for sex, sometimes sex is um it's just a beautiful weird horny show um all the characters are different animals and that's just always fun for me because i'm a big animal dork so i'm like oh that's accurate oh that's bullshit you know um so it's really really good the manga is beautifully drawn i love the style because and like i said everyone's like ha furries but furries have a very particular style they're not really people who watched real animals so much as they watched other cartoons of animals in it and kind of learned to draw from that um i had a friend who's a furry and he flat out told me he's like furries actually don't know anything about animals because they're all into furries because of cartoons <laughs> um but stars <laughs> like i said so the, the style is very different from kind of in your head like oh a furry and you imagine like neon like um you know cheetah and it has like a big penis or something um it's a very different style um but it's absolutely beautiful i love the story um i feel like it might be wrapping up that one's really good 
Other big one I've been really into is Demon Slayer. Um, it's not as <laughs> like yeah. stuff like yeah, stuff like Doro Hidoro, B Stars. You could talk about oh, it's complex and it's allegories. B Stars is um, what my co-host Jack Allison would call, or actually no, Jack Allison likes the baby anime. Leslie <laughs> is the one who makes fun of him and says he likes baby anime. So it is a baby yeah. anime, um, a shonen, if you will. It is about young plucky go-getter kids fighting against all odds and being good and about the power of you know the love the love we have for each other can you know fight evil demons it is a baby anime but it's really really good as some of the best like character writing i'd say since naruto so it's not about like jojo hunter hunter levels of like oh but he did the thing and this technique which counted that technique and he was gonna do this but i did that um it's a little more about just you just push harder and harder until your body gives out but you can do it um but it's probably one of the best baby animes i've read in a long time the um you're talking about look good budget um I don't know if it just aired on prime time and they had money or if they just knew what to do with the money they had, but the um, anime is really, really, really well done. Um, the manga is really enjoyable too. Um, it might be concluding also. Those are the two big ones I've super been into right now, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, my, my roommate has uh, got really deep into Demon Slayer and so... I watched a lot of it over his shoulder and I was surprised that like, uh, like normally my, um, my stance is that I don't really go for, uh, isekais or shonen. Um, one of them I'm much more judgmental about. Most isekais are, uh, just straight garbage, <laughs> just fucking terrible. But, um, but that one, uh, was one of the times again, where I had to eat crow. Cause it was just like, it, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really quite lush to look at. Like, both the animation and the art style for it. Like they capture a lot of the um, very charismatic art that the manga itself has. And yeah, I, I agree with you as well that there's a lot of, there's a lot of arcs that on paper, like if you look at them, uh, the bare bones of, you know, what's narratively going on, you're like, okay, well, I've seen this in a thousand places before, but then you look at how they're executing it. And it's just like, they're, they're nailing, they're nailing all the parts they need to. Like it feels compelling when it's on the screen, like the whole arc with his sister um, being demonized and having, admittedly the aesthetic does it for me that to keep her de-demonized, they basically have a combination of like a scuba diving rebreather, but it has a, a Shinto scroll inside of it. So it's actually like, it's this combination of like, oh, it's a binding uh, scroll like you'd see in like uh, I forget what Sailor does it in Sailor Moon uh, I think Sailor, Sailor Mars. Mars so yeah. it's like one of those but it's inside of a little um, tablet that she keeps by her mouth in order to keep like that it like purifies the air around it and so she's constantly kept from being demonized by breathing in the and it's like that's that's really clever but not in a way that feels like the annoying kind of like Doctor Who fan clever for cleverness's sake kind of thing. It's just like, oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's neat. Also, there's a lot of katana fighting in it, and that's fucking mm. sick. <clears throat> so My roommate hasn't cool. elaborated, but there's also apparently something about a train in it that he said I'd go wild for. Yes, there's an entire arc place on the train. It's not a super long arc. So the anime concluded a few months ago and they're basically like, tune in next time for the train arc. It's going to be a movie. So that's actually really good because that way you don't have to like 
either cram an arc into like two episodes where it's weird or like overly stretch it out. So um, yeah, it's it's gonna be when we eventually are able to go to movies again, there'll be a train. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll have to be like reintroduced to movies, and we'll have like watched that um, film of a train coming towards you again, and everyone will be like, oh, "Fuck, <laughs> run!" Oh no! <laughs> but um, yeah, so... that would be amazing if there was like, yeah, like they're like, "All right, everyone's over. We can all go watch the De- Demon Slayer movie," and all the weebs show up. And they're all like in their cosplay and their crack foam swords, and the train comes and they're like, ah! <laughs> Are you ready to get killed by a train? And they're like, what? <laughs> That'd be sick. <clears throat> that, yeah, that would be cool. Um, yeah, the, 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 the weeks after quarantine ends are going to be in like just, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. It's, I believe it will be an orgy of violence. Yeah. Or, or a violent orgy. One, that, of, the, one of the two. two or both. both. Yeah. It, it's got to be disgusting. I'm, I'm just going to oh, yeah. overindulge in everything I've been missing. Shortly um, after, we're going to regret that we stopped the quarantine. That will be that will be phase two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> phase three is reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so uh, Emma, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at hyenas and gin. Hyenas like the animal and as to connect to, um, I guess, two things together. Gin like the alcohol. Um, I am also a struggle session. I'm a correspondent, but some they bring me on to chat other fun stuff too. Uh, so please listen to struggle session. Um, it's been really awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's about it right now. <laughs> you can't find me at work. That's Awesome. And, and YouTube. Don't, don't sell yourself short. You're oh. also a YouTuber. Yes, I do some, like I said, I dabble. Dabble in some YouTube videos. Um, that's just at Muktron, M-U-C-K-T-R-O-N. Uh, like I said, they're either animals or anime related. Uh, I got really drunk um, a few hours prior to this and uh, wrote about four pages on Death Stranding, which I may or may not actually put together so um yeah i'll let you know if i end up making that <laughs> oh, you should do it we we are big big fans of death strand we've done an episode already we should probably uh get um our death strand friend back to do a because i mean my my worry is right now feels like completely the wrong time to do it because it's so the right time. No, it's it. the, I was like... the right time it's the right time. <laughs> Me and Emma are on the same page. There's there's yeah. no better time than when it, everything is literally happening. <laughs> yeah, but what if the situation evolves and we're behind? I, I, I want to do it after the quarantine ends. Like, I'm going to go nuts. I'm going to, like, fuck everything that when moves. The, and then right, do, I'll do the Death Stranded episode. Am I the one who's going to give you the bad news that the quarantine... Like, we keep well, talking about I know, it's going to be a year or something. Yeah, it's like, we keep talking about it like it's going to end in a month or two. But it's like, the main hump's going to go down. But... Given that there is no sign that people who've been infected with uh, COVID build up any real immunity to it, uh, antibody levels are typically at 30% um, pre-infection rates, which is wildly low. Like that is, it's above, but it's very near like what AIDS does to you in terms of dropping your antibody levels to like 10, 12% of a normal amount so that functionally you you can't fight off disease. Um there is no evidence that you can't be reinfected. Like the quarantine's going to go on until we have some effective means for 
vaccination and real medical treatment, which we have like no timetable for even, which means, which means the death stranding shit will be accurate for a long fucking time. Gareth. (laughs) All right, fine. We'll do the death stranding episode. Plus we got to wrap it up. We have to talk about how I sobbed literally. I finished the game in one big burst because that final cut scene is Kojima length. I knew what I was in for. Um, (laughs) And then it, it, when it ended, it was like 5.30 a.m. And I literally just like broke down and sobs on my couch for like 40 minutes before I went up to bed. Like the ending fucking killed me emotionally. Oh, I still think about it. I <laughs> think about like all that and I'll just like kind of like like tear up in the middle of it. Um, what bugs me is everyone like either you loved it and you finished it in a couple of weeks or you were like, oh, it's kind of boring. I don't know brown blue packages who would want to build things all day i'm gonna go play animal crossing um so a lot of people who like haven't haven't finished yet which frustrates me because i want to talk about the ending i have a really fucking good joke i want to make online and i'm like oh what if what if it ruins the ending people who haven't finished the game that came out in november so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i i was i was playing the game with my son sat by me and he's like He's free, and he was very um, attached to BB. Like BB was oh, his God. Like, friend. BB, um, and yeah, I, I haven't shown him the ending yet because I don't know that's what that's going to do. So um, I, yeah, I'm going to keep that ending away from him. But that um, whole game felt like it was like I can only speak for myself, but as someone very much on the spectrum, the entire gameplay apparatus and the notion of how it engaged with like a perpetual sense of alienation, but the perpetual sincere effort to overcome it. And then watching people watching the ice slowly melt on like, especially the first prepper and uh, the veteran and things like that, you know, the more stodgy, like standoffish ones. I was just like, uh, plus like, the little shit like, oh, I can if I delete some of my zip lines, I can lay this down and have it only be four zip lines instead of six. Fucking wild. I'll I'll put the Death Shine episode into the schedule. It'll happen. OK, fucking dab. Look out for that. But <laughs> also look out for literature, which is supposed to be what it's supposed to be about. Uh, <laughs> we've got some uh yeah we've got some like actual real lit coming up oh yeah so some real stuff uh also some magic folks we're, we're gonna become sorcerers next week um yeah we've got a ton of stuff coming up uh so um but we should finish off with night the band from Linkoping, sweden and yeah th- these guys are the they're the complete polar opposites of Caligram, who are who are like stone cold hotties. These are like the dumbest dorks you'll ever see. They look so dumb in their band picture. And one of them looks like looks exactly like Michael Cera, but with a handlebar mustache and long hair, and a cowboy hat. The other one looks he, the the main guy looks exactly like someone. He looks like a I don't know if it's like a young Bill Hicks or someone. He looks like somebody. I can't put my finger on it, but he's very familiar looking. But uh, yeah, Landon, you you brought these guys up, so you are responsible for them. So a lot of people like... uh, So I will point this out. Uh, No, words, come on, brain. Uh, My brain short-circuited there. That was tight. Um, I want to connect these guys to Ghost, you know, Spooky Abba Ghost. 
mostly in the sense that people like to point at ghosts and act as though they're somehow an aberration or that they are sellouts in some capacity because they're making the no in a deep adoration for dork ass dad rock has always been part of the heavy metal ethos in fact most uh new album records that you can track down from like the mid to late 70s to the early 80s just is what a lot of ghost is referencing um Likewise, you have other bands like the Night Flight Orchestra who are made up of members of like soil work and things like that, but playing like very much like arena dad rock um, that they started before Ghost broke big. They're also selling pretty well. Like it's been part of the ecosystem for a long, long time. It's mostly just sort of everything needs to sound like war metal type dorks who are shocked that <laughs> some people who like heavy metal also like melody, even though fucking Dio had melody. Whatever. That's a whole thing. Night is very much of that school. Um, it's uh, so <laughs> there are going to be a number of you that are going to be like, I should turn off now. And frankly, you're right. If that sounds terrible to you, this will not win you over. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the shit slaps uh, because I love Boston, like the band <laughs> uh, Boston slaps. <laughs> I am a uh, 45 year old hard rocking dad at heart. Um, and night makes me feel like that. Hmm. Have you seen that there's been a kind of renaissance in um, Steely Dan? Like Steely Dan have just like soared up the Spotify charts at the Look, moment. It's not, it's not a renaissance. They never went away. True believers never die. Um, I got way into Steely Dan because of my dad. And then when I went to college, I offhandedly picked up Asia and uh, thought it was whack because it was way too smooth and i was into like really gritty uh, uh death metal mostly like hyper techy or hyper abrasive shit and then eventually it clicked and i bought every steely dan album on my next trip to a best buy literally i bought them all in a big brick i spent like 80 bucks buying every steely dan <laughs> album and i've been a diehard since then and all my dad said was like good <laughs> going pretzel logic then right and i was like of course and he was like good you are my son <laughs> very much you don't have to sleep in the garage type moment but nice that, yeah you, you were in you're, you're in the death metal group where for the uh runner-up album of the year someone jokingly nominated steely dan and then through the fire and will and grace of god steely dan won runner-up for best death metal album of 2019 <laughs> <laughs> for an album that came out in 1971 <laughs> that's right and it uh, well deserved too people, people were so mad and that's what you got to live with it and this yeah. is the steely dan of heavy metal okay okay i'm feeling it now the, these guys still huge dorks oh yeah and um yeah, yeah 100 not as, to be fair nearly as hot as my boyfriends in calgary that's uh, fair yeah but uh otherwise night i'll give them a go you know i'll i'll, I'll make time for them so we're going to play Feeling It Everywhere from um, Feeling It Everywhere by Night, a double A-side with Kings of the Night. Such dork shit. It's kind of cool. So, um, yeah, come back next week. Uh, Patreon. Look up Emma's stuff. Follow, follow her on Twitter, Pioneers and Gin. Um, check out Struggle Session. They're a lot better at this than we are. Uh, but here's Night. Night.